Praise the Lord. This morning we're going to look at Acts chapter 10 and take some lessons from a Roman centurion, a man named Cornelius. Maybe you've read Acts chapter 10. Maybe there are some here who haven't. I want to go over this chapter today because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak something powerful into our lives today. In the Roman Empire, there were many levels of authority, right down, right from the emperor down to the foot soldiers. And among them was a group of officers called the centurions. As the word indicates, they were officers set over a hundred people, over a hundred soldiers. And they are highlighted in a number of places in the Gospels. Three centurions are mentioned, and they're all spoken of in a favorable light. Many among the Roman army and these officials had turned their hearts to the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 8, if you remember this centurion whose, whose servant was sick and he sent a messenger to Jesus, and then he said, Lord, I understand spiritual authority, for I'm a man under authority and have authority. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not found so great faith in all the people of Israel as this Roman soldier. Remember the centurion who stood at the cross as Jesus uttered his final words and cried out in such victory, it is finished, and then gave up his spirit, and the centurion smote his breast and said, truly this man was the Son of God. Now we have another centurion in Acts chapter 10, and he gained the attention of God. He gained the attention of God because he prayed and he gave generous financial gifts to the people, and because of it, he received a vision. He received an, an, an angel coming to him. He received supernatural direction, the word of the Lord, and the Lord had to summon a reluctant preacher called Peter because this man, he said, I need to get Peter to this man's house. He has my attention. I'm going to reroute my servant Peter to get him to this house with the message of the gospel and the words of salvation. He said, this man has my favor. He gained the attention. He gained the favor of God. And if you remember in Acts chapter 10, and we're going to read it in a moment, but it's the account where Peter received the vision of the great sheet let down from heaven. And in this great sheet were all kinds of unclean animals, creeping things and birds of carrion. And the Lord said to Peter, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean or common. But the Lord was driving the prejudice out of his servant. The Lord was driving the misconception, the prejudice out of Peter's heart. And the Lord said, I don't want you to call anyone unclean because I've got a heart for all people. You see, the nations, the Gentiles, this man was a Roman. They were considered unclean by the Jews. But Jesus wanted Peter to know that his gospel is for all people of the earth and that his message of salvation is for everyone who will believe. That Jesus' Messiah was not only a Messiah for the Jews, but was a Messiah for all nations, for the Gentiles as well. And so he sent Peter. Sometimes people say to me, don't you know that Jesus was a Jew? And I say, no, he wasn't. He was only half Jew. He had a Jewish mother, but he didn't have a Jewish father. His father was the God of heaven who put seed by the Holy Spirit into that Virgin Mary. And the God 
on the Father's side, he's the God of all Gentiles. He's the God who created Adam, and from Adam's blood, all nations of the earth. Our Jesus is a Jew-Gentile. He's half Jew, he's half Gentile, because he's a Messiah for all nations. He's a Savior of all people of the world. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, it says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment or the cohort or band. The cohort or regiment was a group of roughly 600 soldiers. And, I, and of course, Cornelius was one of those men. He was living in Caesarea, which if you look on your map of Israel, was halfway up or midway up the coast of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea. It was the Roman provincial capital. It was the port and headquarters of the Roman presence in Israel. For, of course, the Roman Empire extended over the known world of that day. Cornelius was living in that port and headquarters of Caesarea, a man of no little prestige and station, a man who was an official. But he says in verse 2, he was a devout man, and one who feared God or worshiped God with all his household, who gave alms, charitable gifts generously to the people and prayed to God always. He was a God-fear, one who feared God. There were people in the New Testament who were known as God-fearers. They had come to believe in the one true God of Israel, Jehovah, but they had not become Jewish proselytes. They had not submitted to the rite of circumcision, which was required of the male population in Old Testament times. They had not come under all the ceremonial law-keeping of the law of Moses, but they had given their life, they'd given their heart to believe in the one true God. This man feared God. He prayed. He gave alms. Verse 3, let's go through this chapter this morning because it all ties together in the points I'll make after. Verse 3 says, about the ninth hour of the day, Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Joppa, about 25 or 30 miles south on the Mediterranean coast as well. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. 
In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's house or Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the man who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour... Time of the evening sacrifice, three in the afternoon. I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, including Canada, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these, of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. 
And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission, forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him, they prayed him, they besought him to stay a few days so he could teach them more and more of the word of God. Lessons from a Roman centurion today. Point number one, prayer and generosity bring you into memory before God. Prayer and generosity bring you your family, into memory before God. Acts 2, 10, 2-4, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. He saw a vision, an angel coming. And the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Your, your prayers and your financial generosity have come up as a memory before God. It's, it's the building up of a memorial. You know what a memorial is. It's an object in the earth to remember. It, it remembers something. It speaks. There's a memory. God says our prayers and our financial generosity build up a memorial. They build up a memory before God in the earth. This is a marvelous thing that we can gain the attention of God, that we can respond to God in such a way that actually a memory of our lives and of our family builds up in the earth and God is mindful of it and he cannot pass us by. Cornelius, because of his prayers, because of his giving, received a vision, an angelic visitation, an angel came, supernatural direction, the advancement of the kingdom of God in his life and his family, the furtherance of the ways and life of God to this family, and it was based, it was predicated on the fact that he prayed always, he served God, he loved God. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity every one of us have to build up a memorial before God in the earth. That God looks down and he says, I'm going to meet that family. I'm going to meet that person because I see their prayers and alms. They are coming up as a memory before me. Now, we don't give to get. We don't give to get. We give to God. We serve God. We give our finances. We pray and intercede and worship God and spend time in his word because we love him. We want to serve him with all our hearts. And any byproduct of reward and blessing that is ours in the earth, we understand is a gift of God. We don't give to get. The Bible says if that's our motive, if we have a carnal motive, we give to God to get. That with the shrewd, God shows himself shrewd. So I wouldn't advise it. But to those who serve God with right motive, with a pure and perfect heart, 
loving him, desiring him, prayers and our financial generosity come up as a memorial. They build a memorial before God, and God will send his angels. God will send supernatural revelation to minister to our lives. I remember the words of the founding pastor of this church, A.G. Forsythe. He said so many times, you can't afford not to tithe. Sometimes people say, I can't afford to tithe. He said, you can't afford not to tithe. We need to build up a memorial. We need to build up a memory before God for our lives and for our families. Point number two, prayer incites hunger after God, enlivens the promises of God, and releases the power of God in your life. Acts 10.30, Cornelius, so Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Your alms, your generosity, your prayers are remembered. Prayer incites hunger after God. It enlivens the promises of God. It releases the power of God in our lives. A praying Christian is a thriving Christian. A praying Christian has hunger after God. Prayer works up an appetite. Prayer sets our spirit on edge for the living God. Cornelius the centurion, a Roman man, soldier, had such a desire after God, had such a hunger after God, and it's as if the prayers that he was praying to God kept his spirit alive, kept him strong, kept him hungering after the Lord. A praying Christian is a hungry Christian. Prayer incites this hunger after God. The more you pray, the more you will hunger after God. Prayer deals with distempers in our life disagreeable moods and frustrations and resentments. Prayer has a way of keeping us clean before the Lord. When we pray, it's as, the, as if the river of God from the inside of our spirit is flowing and it's clearing off the debris, anything that would try to cling to the shores of our life. Prayer brings power. Prayer enlivens the promises of God. As you pray, what happens? The promises of God come alive on the pages of the Bible, and they come alive in your heart. As you pray, faith quickens and lights up the promises of God. Prayer brings the favor of God. Prayer brings the favor of God. It releases the power of God. It's the avenue by which God moves down the life of his people. It says while Cornelius was praying, while he was praying, an angel, a man stood before him in bright clothing. Now let's look at a few scriptures on angel visitation while people prayed. While people prayed. Daniel chapter 9, 20 to 21 says, Now while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. 
While I was praying, the man Gabriel, an angel was sent. While I was praying. Now God is no respecter of persons, the Bible says. He sends his angels, they're ministering spirits, sent to minister to the saints. Now Cornelius, one time in his life, it appears, saw an angel. As we're praying, maybe once in our lifetime we'll see an angel. But most times they're invisible. But how, how often the Lord comes as we're praying and brings a supernatural life and bestows a gift and brings direction and brings revelation and brings healing. A man in bright clothing stood before Cornelius. Daniel, while I was praying, the angel came and ministered to me. What about the example of our Lord in whose footsteps we walk? In Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. I don't know about you, but I like an open heaven. While he prayed, the heaven was open. While he prayed, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him. I like when the Holy Spirit descends upon me. While he prayed, a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. I like when I hear God speaking to me, and the promises and commendation of the Lord come upon my life. While Jesus was praying, the heavens were open. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The voice of the Lord spoke to him. In Luke chapter 9, verse 28, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. He said, we're going up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. As he prayed, there was change. As he prayed, the countenance of his face was changed. The Bible says in Psalm 34, they looked unto him, unto the Lord, and their faces became radiant. Moses stood in the presence of God, went up in the holy presence of God, and the Bible says the skin of his face began to shine. He did not know that the skin of his face shone, but it did in the presence of the Lord. Jesus' face was altered. His countenance was altered. His eyes came alive. Color came into his cheeks because of the presence of God, the radiance on our Lord and Savior. And his robe became white and glistering, changed by the power of God. Changed by the power of God as he was praying. Luke twenty-two forty-one, 41. The Garden of Gethsemane. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. As he prayed, an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Where were the disciples? They were sorrowful. They were dejected. Their whole world, it seemed, was falling apart. There may be some here this morning that are enduring trial and difficult circumstances. While the disciples were facing difficult circumstances and sleeping, the Son of God was in the presence of his Father, taking a trial more infinite than they could ever imagine, but he was praying, and he was casting his life before God, saying, not my will, but thine be done. And an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him. 
in the moment of our trial, in our discouragement, in our heaviness, in the cup of suffering that we face at times, and disillusionment in this world and contradiction in this world if we will go into the presence of the Lord and begin to pray the angels of heaven will be dispatched to strengthen our lives to strengthen our faith and our walk with the Lord Jacob in Genesis 32 verse 26 Hosea comments on this passage and says that Jacob was weeping weeping and seeking the favor of God Jacob said, let me go. Well, the angel said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go until, until, un unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, meaning prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob, in that hour of difficulty upon his life, he was in the presence of God with his fears, with his consternation, with his doubts, with all the warfare that was coming against him. He went in the presence of God. He began to pray. He began to wrestle with God. He began to say, God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And as he prayed, there was ministry that came to him. He received the blessing of God, and he was knighted, prince with God. Let's pray with expectation. Brothers and sisters, family of God, let's pray with expectation. When we begin to pray, let's expect something to take place on the heavenly dimension, that our prayers, our generosity come up as a memorial before God, and God moves on our behalf, that God will redirect circumstances, that God will send people our way, that angels will come because we're responding properly in the presence of God. Prayer incites hunger after God. It enlivens the promises of God. It releases the power of God into our lives. What a lesson from a Roman centurion. And point number three, put your hunger after God on display like Cornelius did. Put your hunger after God on display like Cornelius did. If you do, it appears that God will stop at nothing to get to you. Put your hunger on display. God will come. He cannot pass you by. If your hunger is on display, it's like it's, it draws God into your life, into your situation. Give God all you have. Abandon yourself in worship. Abandon yourself in prayer. Love his word. Love his house. Give yourself to his service. God will not pass you by. He cannot pass you by. It's not only a principle. It's not only a promise. It's his very nature. That blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Spirit, soul, and body get involved with a zeal for the Lord. Zeal for the Lord. Cornelius, hard in prayer. Hard after God in prayer. And he received visitation. He received the angel. He received divine revelation. He received direction what to do. 
that God was going to come and bless his life and family in a way that he could never have imagined. While he was praying, he had that hunger after God. And the word of the Lord came to Cornelius. And the Lord said, I want you to send down to Joppa. There's a man named Peter down there. He's going to come up and tell you words whereby you and your household will be saved and brought into the fullness of God's measure for your life. And Cornelius got up out of that prayer, that visitation with the angel, and he sent some of his trusted men down to Joppa, 25 or 30 miles down the seacoast. He calculated the time it's going to take them so long to get there. Peter comes back. It'll be a few-day turnaround. And when he expected that the day when Peter would arrive, the Bible says he had gathered all his relatives, his household, his servants, and he had many servants. He was a man of distinction. He gathered his friends together, and there they were. There they were, sitting in the house, waiting with longing hearts for the preacher to come. Longing, waiting. They didn't know when he'd arrive. It should be today. I've calculated time. It should be today. They didn't have cell phones. They couldn't get a text message. But it should be today. Come on, let's gather. Let's wait. Let's prepare ourselves. While we're waiting, let's pray. The preacher's going to come. The word of God is going to come to us. And when Peter walked into the house and was ushered in, this Roman centurion, a man of stature, a man of dignity, an official, he was the first one down at Peter's feet, bowing down and worshiping, doing obeisance, such respect and such reverence for the ministry of the word of God and for the message that Jesus Christ would send. Peter said to him, stand up, I'm a man like you. Immediately, Cornelius set Peter to work. We want to hear the word of God. Some think he bypassed common courtesy, and maybe he did. He didn't provide refreshing. He didn't provide food and drink. No, because Cornelius and those people in that church, I mean that house, were hungry from food for heaven, from heaven. The Bible says then Peter opened his mouth and began to preach the word and tell about the glorious Jesus, forgiveness of sins, and the one who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You could receive forgiveness of sins. You could receive a powerful relationship with God. And while he was still speaking, there was such a pull, such a hunger in the people gathered in that room that Peter couldn't even finish the sermon. The Holy Spirit said, I don't have time to finish this sermon. There's such a pull. There's such a hunger in this people. I'm moving in right now. The Holy Spirit descended and they were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter stood back and said, you can steal my show. Peter hadn't met Toby Mac yet. <laughs> but he said, if you want to steal my show, I'll sit back and watch you go. If you've got something to say, go on. It's yours. Go on and take it. Go on and speak. What a powerful ministry of the Lord. Such a hunger in the people. Put your hunger on God for after God on display. Spirit, soul, and body pressing into the Lord, letting God know how desperately you want him. Then they constrained Peter to abide a few days. 
said, Wowie, preacher, please stay. Please stay. See, prayer had prepared them. Prayer had prepared them for the preaching. When you pray, you're open to the Word of God. When you're open, you can receive the Holy Spirit. When you've prayed, you're open to the revelation of God. And they said, we need you to stay. They prayed, they begged him, they besought him to stay a few more days, and he did. Take a lesson today. What a, what a story. What a lesson for all of us from God this morning. Let's pray fervently. Let's hunger after the Word of God. Let's desire to get to the house of God and get under the preaching of the Word of God. God loves it. God moves upon it. God is interested in it. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons, but in every nation of the world, the person that has such a hunger after God fears God, worships God, does righteousness. He finds acceptance with the living God. Hallelujah. What a promise for us today. God will not pass you by. God cannot bypass your hunger, your thirst after spiritual things and a relationship with him. Ah, you might say, well, but Cornelius was, so to speak, a young Christian. You can't expect a person that's been saved, been a Christian for a number of years, you can't expect them to have the same zeal and hunger after God and after church services and the Word later on in Christian life as they did at the beginning when they first got saved. And I say, you're right. You can't expect them to have the same hunger. You should expect them to have more. You should expect them to have more. I don't know about you, but I am more hungry after the ways of God and after the Word of God and after supernatural ministry by the Holy Spirit than I ever was when I got saved. I'm more desirous of the ways of God. I'm more hungry after the ways of God today than the first few years I was saved. God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Let's put our hunger on display. Let's seek God fervently. Let's love God with all of our heart. If we do, musicians come, if we do, we know heaven cannot pass us by. Heaven will not pass us by. And God's blessing will come upon our lives and it'll come upon our household. It'll come upon our families. It'll come upon our sons and daughters. What an expectation. Our prayers, our worship, our financial generosity for God comes up as a memory before him and he moves into our lives with supernatural direction, advancement, kingdom blessing, the furtherance of inheritance for all of us in Jesus' name. Let's stand together this morning. Open yourself up to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands this morning. The Bible says lift up your heart with your hands. Let's open our hearts to the Lord this morning. This powerful lesson from Acts chapter 10. If you don't think prayer and worship and hunger after God and financial generosity for the kingdom matters to God, read these verses again this afternoon. Open your heart. Say, God, 
change me, teach me. I want to follow you like this man, Cornelius, because he's on the pages as an example to all people of all nations of the world. Let's talk to God this morning out of our hearts and worship him with all our fervency.